Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks with Texas 5th Congressional District candidate, Charlie Gearing. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All righty, y'all. I am back with another episode with a fresh cut. And uh, today, I'm with my boy Charlie. And this is actually like a political show. And uh, for those of you who listen to me, follow me, you know I'm very apolitical. Um, so to like have somebody on my show who's politics, it I have him on here because I don't, you know, it's less about like the political party and more about like the person. And I've known Charlie since I moved to Dallas for a long time. He's just an all-around, you know, good dude. And so and so he's running for Congress in a, in an important uh district in Dallas. And so I want to have him, you know, I want to come on, ask some questions. He said I can ask some tough questions. Um but he's 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 honestly answered all my tough questions behind the scenes, but I want I want you guys to um just to get to know him. So Thanks for coming, Charlie. I appreciate you, brother. It's great to join you on the podcast. I've always been a fan. You know, this is great. Thank you. And, and you drove way down here from 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 Dallas, man. Way, way to Mansfield. So, hey, anything for you, my man. Anything <laughs> for you. I appreciate you. Well, appreciate you, man. So let's 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 get right into it. So, um, as long as I've known you, like you've been in, in, involved in a community, right, in, in some capacity, um, and and I'm I'm pretty sure when you were doing that. Um, at least I didn't sense any any long term plan of running for Congress. I feel like you you've just like always been um, like just a guy who cared about the community. So I mean, where did that come from? You know, and I've only known you for like you know ten years. So were you always like that? You know, where did it come from, buddy? You're you're, uh, you're paying me a huge compliment saying all that. I really appreciate that. I mean, it, the answer is pretty simple, man. It's the family that raised me. You know, uh, my parents uh, are both, uh, you know, departed people thinking about others. Uh, my parents are both psychologists, and my granddad was a psychologist and a minister before that. Uh, and I was raised with this example uh, of my granddad. Uh, back in the 50s and 60s, my granddad led a lot of efforts, uh, uh, you know, to desegregate society. Uh, he was a minister in Austin and Knoxville, Tennessee, where much of my family's from, in Jacksonville, uh, and then eventually ended up north up in Massachusetts. But during those years, my granddad was on committees like the Committee to Reintegrate Austin uh, and was doing kind of this, you know, the uh, small scale but vital, important work of desegregation. And so, uh, you know, I, there's no way to verify this, but for instance, my grandparents walked at least one of the first black couples into the Driscoll Hotel in Austin mm. for dinner. And my my grandmother always told the story of walking out of there and people on the sidewalk spitting at them, you know, uh, and throwing trash in their path and stuff wow. like that. And so uh, I was raised uh, uh, to to think of others and to fight for others, basically, uh, and to have empathy for what other people are going through. And so uh, I, I really feel more of a sense of duty. I feel like I'm just doing my job when I'm doing things like what you're talking about. Um, when Rachel and I 
met, uh, it was no coincidence. You know, uh, you, you know my wife, Rachel. Mm-hmm. We met in 2014 at a uh, veterans, uh, homeless, or homeless veterans clothing drive and medical services drive. It's called the Stand Down. It happens every year at every VA resource center and every VA around the country. And we met folding sweatshirts that day. You know, it's just kind of no, no coincidence, I guess. You know, we both were meant to be there and I was meant to meet her there. And uh, so we have always taken that as our mandate uh, is that we got to keep doing what we did, what we were doing that day. And we had to keep working for and serving our, our neighbors uh, as best we could while, while still paying the bills, right? You know, and uh, taking care of business, obviously, but doing what we can in our free time to help others. So that's just kind of the culture I was raised in and the, the, the family expectation, basically. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no. And, and, and one of the things that I think a lot of times that we, that we, that we don't think about um, is how difficult it is to because um, you're talking about your grandparents and, and 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 you know I can imagine like the, the culture the climate is okay with you right at that time because like you're white but then mm-hmm. to stick your neck out and speak out against you know your own you know for for lack of better words like subgroup like your own community right that can I mean you know we we see it now you know as a as a as, or I see it now as you know um, somebody who's relatively apolitical you know if I if, if if I say something that's not PC, you know, for for a black person to say against, you know, a, a democratic, you know, politician, then there's outrage, right? And so you'd be like, man, it's not that easy to like have a a, a different opinion from um from from your subgroup, and so you know, um, you know, you, it's in your blood, right? Because and where I'm going with this is not to continue to cause we'll get to the to the tough question, not to continue to be, continue yeah. to be uh, Charlie cheerleader, but I've all I've always seen you as somebody who is um. Like you have different friends, right? So you have like, like you float around with the hyper conservative, you know, uh, guys in our uh, in our circle, but then also, you know, you know, liberal guys of all colors, shapes, and sizes of all. I mean, you have Muslim <laughs> friends, right? You just like, uh, I mean, heck, you even got a, you know, I don't know what Rachel is now, but Rachel was a, you know, like you got a conservative, you you convinced a conservative woman to marry you, right? <laughs> And and you di- and you didn't hide your <laughs> your liberal views, and so um, and I've always been impressed by like just your ability to. And we were talking before about how politics today is so tribal, right? I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer in like yin and yang, right? The whole concept of balance, right? I think the the world operates on balance, and if you get too far one way or too far the other, it's just not pretty, right? I think that the 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 best solutions are like in the middle, right? Whether it be government, whether it be a household, right? You know, uh, this is just not PC, but I just mean like men typically in general have a different way of raising kids than women, and women have a different way of raising kids than men. But when we work together, right? We raise, you know, with both energies, we um, um, create a beautiful outcome, right? That that feminine and masculine energy, right? Um, and so you know, balance works in 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 um, all different kind of ways, and so you you operate that well, right? Even though you are running as a Democrat, I mean, you you have that balance, right? I can I can so see you getting to uh, where you're going to be and being able to uh, uh, deal with all the Washington, you know, BS, and uh, try to work with both sides, right? Whether they do it or not is holding the conversation. Well, and Philip, I I get all that. I understand the culture that we find ourselves in, and I understand kind of these labels that you're talking about. I guess I I just don't let that stuff guide and control 
what I do. And I know Rachel and I talk about that as part of our family guiding values, right? Um, we are equally concerned with someone who may disagree with me politically, like uh, who I've met, for say, for example, out in Jacksonville, Texas, right outside of Nacogdoches at the Tomato Fest back in June. Equally concerned for their safety and well-being and their opportunity and their chance to live out the American dream as I am with, you know, the folks that Rachel and I encounter every year doing the Metro Dallas Homeless Alliance point-in-time homeless count, right? When we go out every January and we're interviewing homeless folks, basically, or folks, our neighbors experiencing homelessness, I should say. Um, you know, I, I remember, I, I really keep at the front of my mind that in Turtle Creek, a very successful, you know, prosperous part of town, there's a bridge there right by the Kalita Humphreys Theater Center where there's an ongoing encampment of 10 to 20 folks with tents and cots and all that underneath a bridge down there. And we, we got that territory once for that point in time count. And I try to think of those folks, you know. And, and look, I, I don't mean to, you know, sound like, you know, some, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound disingenuous. I, look, I, I'm like you. I'm working a job for the last several years. I've got bills to pay myself. I've got a family to take care of myself. I spend a lot of my time, you know, working on those issues. But when I can, and when Rachel and I can, we do, we've tried to do all we can to help our neighbors, right? Yeah. It breaks our heart to see children waiting outside in a long line in the middle school across Buckner from us in East Dallas, uh, waiting on the weekends, waiting for backpacks to take food home to their families, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what guides my decision-making and who I, I guess you're talking about who I associate with, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'll tell you, you know, our, our mutual friends, the people you and I both know, while they may have different outward appearances or political leanings or whatever, you and I both know that all those people care deeply about mm -hmm. these same folks I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They care deeply about these issues that I'm talking about and that we're going to be talking about these next 14 months on the campaign trail. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> so why, so we kind of talked about this before, but this is, you, can, you can elaborate. Why did you decide to run for Congress? I mean, Congress. Yeah. <laughs> U.S. A, Congress. It's a bit of a leap, right? You know? Uh, no, I, I, I can appreciate that question. It's not the first time I've gotten it. Philip, I'll tell you, this all started for us on the afternoon of the insurrection. Uh, you referenced my, my wife, Rachel, is a lifelong Republican until I'd say the last few years, probably. Um, I think she and I have shared a real concern for the direction of our culture, the way that we treat each other. And I think all that came to a loud crescendo on January 6th. Um, that afternoon, we I just finished a, a Zoom hearing. I'm a litigator here in Dallas. I was on I was on Zoom with a court out in West Texas, finished the hearing, came out, and they showed Vice President Pence starting to count up the votes in, in Congress and in the Senate, basically. And we started watching that on TV. And we watched the whole thing unfold that day. The violence and the barriers getting broken down outside the Capitol, the police officers being attacked, those doors being smashed, and all of our nation's leaders just about being rushed you know, below ground and away from this riotous mob. And at about 3.30 that afternoon, my wife held up her phone to me, and it was a tweet from our congressman. And 
Philip, I'm not going to lie to you. Our congressman has said and done things that uh, I, I don't always agree with, right? That's, that's kind of what makes me American. Yeah, same with you. Everybody <laughs> everybody has a congressman or woman that, that has done and said things that they don't agree with, right? But in that moment, he crossed a line. Mm-hmm. He tweeted out something to the effect of, if you didn't condemn the violence last summer, then I'm not interested in hearing from you today. And Philip, he was referencing the George Floyd protest the, wow. the prior summer. And no matter how you feel about that time in our country's history, no matter how you feel about any of those other issues, that moment was such a vulnerable, dangerous time for our country. I mean, there was literally a mob hunting for a vice president of a different political party from myself, right. trying to hang him. <laughs> and this is all our congressman had for us that day, right. you know? And my wife looked at me and like I said, you know, Rachel, she's, she just said enough, enough of this. We cannot stand here and watch our country burn down like this. You know, we are incredibly blessed. You know, we have, we, at the time we both had jobs as lawyers that allowed us to move our practices into our home and stay safe from the virus. You know, eventually a few months later, we were able to get our vaccines and stay safe from the virus. We know that so many of our neighbors didn't have any of those, you know, opportunities. Uh, And so many people have taken the brunt of this pandemic and the brunt of this oncoming culture that we see, you know, that really concerns us. And so um, we started work the very next day, <laughs> talking about, talking with folks just like you uh, about this campaign and about trying to lead the 5th Congressional District in Texas in a different direction than it was being led by Congressman Gooden. Um, and and I have some, uh, you know, that that's how I got into the race. Uh, and I'm sure you have more questions about, you know, what my thoughts and platform and all that kind of stuff are, but that's that's how this whole thing that's all that's how this whole party got started, basically. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, I, I I got it. This this question is kind of n- nuanced, but um, but I'm asking it because it might not. I'm just, I'm going to ask it in a simple term because this is a longer term, yeah. a longer way I, I I wrote it out, but. So you have you have a time period where Texas is like the gem of America, right? Like everybody wants to move to Texas, mm-hmm. like everybody, because you know they're going nuts in New York. You know, Gavin Newsom just barely survived, you know, by the by the by the uh, seat of his pants. But you know, like from a from an economic standpoint, just California is a mess. Like I wouldn't want to live there. Um, and Texas is is um, is doing well. So there are some people who you know there are some people who um, I credit Texas is doing well because of the politicians who have typically represented us, you know, in in Congress. And what what, what what's the, what's the thing like? Don't uh, my my you know it's, it's an old grandparents saying like uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So there's a lot of sure. folks that are thinking that they're like, well, man, you know, I may not I might not necessarily be um, super excited about these people, especially Gooden, who just often says ignorant things, you know. Um, but they're like, hey, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, what do, what do you say to those folks who are, who are thinking that way? Yeah, I think uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very viable concern. You know, I grew up in a Texas that was benefiting from the phenomenon that you're talking about, right? I grew up watching people moving here from other states for all this opportunity. And I grew up, when I got out of law school, I was very fortunate that 
our legal market and our economic situation here in Texas was one of the strongest in the country when the rest of the country was really struggling mightily. Uh, and so I benefited myself from this whole situation, right? Look, I, I, I don't think we have to choose between two extremes. It's not like you have to be California or you have to be what Texas is kind of headed towards, mm-hmm. right? With a lot of the draconian and really you know, extreme legal changes that have happened recently, right? I don't think, I, I think we've got something in the middle that, that we can all agree on, that we, that, that we can all pursue values that we all agree on, right? Mm. We want economic freedom and opportunity, right? I'm the, child of small business people. I myself am a small business person. I work in a law firm with about 15 attorneys and about, you know, half a dozen staff, right? Uh, Philip, you're a small business person, right? We all are very cognizant about how government overreach can limit small business opportunity and business opportunity generally, obviously, right? But at the same time, you know, I think we all can agree that Texas needs to be a leader in some areas where we're not right now, mm-hmm. honestly, right? We have, you know, the highest uninsured rate in the country, right? And following from that, we have some of the worst health outcomes in the in the country. We need to be a leader in these areas. We need to make sure that with all this prosperity that we're enjoying here in this state, we can be doing more to ensure that more people are insured, that more people are having better health outcomes, that more people are living longer and healthier lives, and are and that the economic opportunity that comes from those facts follows from that from from that well being, basically, right? So, you know, I think that's the answer. I think we need to get back to focusing on, you know, these values that we all share, mm-hmm. right? We all care about our neighbors' well being. Right. We nobody wants surging homelessness in our community. Right. Nobody wants any increase in crime or any crime at all, for that matter. Right. We all care about we all want our children to be educated, not just educated, but really well educated. We want our kids to be safe in school during a pandemic that, evi- that with a virus that increasingly threatens more of our children. Right. We all we all care about those things. So let's focus on fixing those problems, right? Yeah, you know? a problem-solving focused approach. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, so before I get to the last question, like what, what we talked before offline about like some of your key issues. So what, what are the key issues that you're really focused on? So, so when you're elected, you know, um, next year. You know, what, yeah. what are the key things you're going to focus on? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the question. Um, like I've said before, my wife and I are deeply concerned about po- poverty and child poverty uh, specifically. We've done a lot of work in these areas over the past 11 years, like I said. And, uh, you know, Philip, I, I tell people that the story I told you about the insurrections, what got me interested in this race. But what really got me into the race is when I was when I was researching about the district, uh, which stretches really from Dallas to just short of Tyler and then just short of Nacogdoches. It's kind of a gerrymandered triangle with some other, you know, uh, uh, different sectors and pockets coming off of that triangle. But um you know, I got into the race when I found out that almost 46% of the children in this district, Philip, live beneath 185% of the poverty line mm. and below, 
right? That means that almost half of the kids in this district are experiencing some form of what we call food insecurity, which is a fancy term for saying kids are missing meals. Kids mm-hmm. are not certain when when and how they're going to get all three square meals in a day. And even if they are getting those meals, they're probably not nutritious meals and they're not meals that are going to give them opportunity, right? Uh, they're uh, junk food <laughs> meals, right? And, uh, and nobody wants that for our kids, obviously. So uh, I'm a big fan of the child tax credit that was passed as a part of the American Rescue Plan earlier this year that uh, uh, there's already studies coming out that's, that have said that since those payments started in July to families sending 250 to $300 a month to every um, American family beneath a certain income threshold, almost 25% of children in this country have already been lifted out of poverty because they because their families have been receiving those checks. And um, at the time the bill was passed and that tax credit was adopted, there were projections that if we were to continue this on into the future, as many as over 50% of the kids in this country can be lifted out of poverty. And so that tax credit is going to expire next spring. And we've got to extend it. Our congressman has voted against it already once. And so that is a key foremost issue for me, not just that tax credit, but then doing everything else we can to address and remediate and solve uh, and eradicate (laughs) child poverty. Because Mm -hmm. I really think that's a basic problem in our society that if we can solve that Mm -hmm. and make sure that kids are well-fed and educated, I think that's going to alleviate so many other struggles that we might have as a society, obviously. Mm -hmm. So in addition, I'm deeply concerned about voting rights. We spoke offline before we got on camera here. I was down in the gallery in Austin for the debate uh, a a few Fridays ago on SB1, uh, the very restrictive voting law that outlawed a number of, uh, of productive voting measures that led to more Texans voting in this state than they had in 30 years. <laughs> and so um, this is kind of a structural issue for our democracy and goes to the very core of our democracy. But Philip, in a minimum, I, I support strongly the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and restoring some level of pre-clearance authority for the Department of Justice to review and ensure that any state level election law changes don't affect you know, uh, our neighbors, uh, specifically folks in minority and protected groups, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, Philip, I care deeply about not just m- making sure everybody has access to health insurance in Texas, but filling especially rural health care gaps. You know, there's a reality, not for you and me necessarily, living closer to a metropolitan area like Dallas, but many of our neighbors in East Texas may have access to an emergency room for triage care or basic care following, say, a, a bad car accident mm-hmm. right out in Henderson or Anderson County. But then many of them don't have access to funds or to any sort of services that will take them them to follow up specialists in Austin or Dallas or Houston or wherever they may need to go to say, put their leg back together, say you need to go see a specialist in a big city. Mm -hmm. You know, many of our neighbors don't have a way to get that done basically, right? Mm -hmm. And so I care deeply about filling gaps like that. And then in addition, uh, broadband internet is a huge 
issue in this district. Uh, maybe not, again, for people closer into Dallas like you and me, but there are corners of this district, Philip, that have less than 50% access to broadband internet, if you can believe it. Hmm. So that means less than half of the people in this district can participate in the modern economy. They can attend a Zoom meeting, can send their kids to school over Zoom, or can you know get online and find and apply for an interview for a job, perhaps, right? We have to work with the private sector and with private providers to bring those opportunities to all of our neighbors. So that's just a few of the issues. Hey, man, when you said, when you said the last part, you sent chills. As you were talking, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go on my rant before and you let me know your thoughts, but, <laughs> but you hit on a nail. I mean, I think, and this is why I have you here, because I feel like um, because we have so many politicians in powerful positions locally and at the... Uh, uh, federal level, right? Um, that are just te- you know, they're just technically illiterate. Like they're illiterate when it comes to technology, uh, or they're closed-minded in their thinking, right? Because you know, Congressman Goodman has he. I mean, he's relatively young, but he's a closed-minded type thinker. I don't know him, but you can look at his tweets and be like, man, you don't really have an open mind on some things. Um, um, but I feel like we need yeah. more younger open-minded thinkers to, to like you said problem solve um in the new tech world because a lot, a lot of these problems can be solved with tech right but you have these people that are a few years from life expectancy you know <laughs> running the show and um uh and making the big decisions and, and, and let me let me clarify what i mean like i'm somebody on facebook told me the other day philip you're 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 wise beyond your years i'm like well i just was i read a lot of books and I was lucky to talk to a lot of people with gray hair for a long time. And so their their wisdom is, is is valuable because I do believe there's nothing new under the sun. It's just packaged and wrapped differently. But I but I also um, agree with if you it's it's a Andrew Carnegie quote, and he said, uh, "I only he's like 65. He's like I only do business with people who are 30 who are 35, right?" And I was like, I didn't know what that meant 10 years ago. And then I was like, ah, okay, it makes it because the older you get, you have the wisdom, but you don't understand the new rappers, right? And so you got to find you a 30-year-old who has a little bit of experience, so they're not like green and dumb, right? But they don't have any money, and they don't have like the, the time-tested wisdom. And if you marry those two together, right, you could you can solve some big problems. And so I think I think we need to have more, you know, um, this sounds ages, but it's just real life. Like the military has the cutoff age of 62, for a reason, right? So I think we need more younger, open-minded people. Because um, uh, open-minded doesn't mean younger, but younger, open-minded people that are willing to solve problems in 2021, right? And so um, I'm excited about that answer. That, that was a long way of me saying, and I'm glad you said that because it needs to be a partnership. Well, and Philip, I'll tell you this much. You know, uh, first of all, my buddies and my wife would probably say I don't fully understand all the new rappers, right? So I'm doing my best to keep up, but uh, but beyond that, Philip, you know. I'm ready to work with anybody. I don't care how old they are or what who they voted for for president last year or five years ago. Okay, um, we've got problems to solve. Uh, this is uh, what I do for a living every day, as you know, right? As a litigator, I help my clients solve problems, right? And so, I, I think what you're picking up on is, you know, 
I think our, our campaign is founded upon this idea that we need to stop fighting about stolen elections or, you know, uh, uh, misinformation about this pandemic or vaccines or masking or these other kind of culture war things that take up a lot of cable news time, mm-hmm. right? And they sell lots of ads off of that. You know, yeah. <laughs> and we need to get back to kind of talking turkey for our constituents and solving some of these basic issues for our constituents. Because you and I both know that there are a lot of problems that are not being solved right now because we're distracted, because we're spending time on these other issues. And so that's what this campaign offers people of every political stripe is an opportunity to get back to solving those problems. And look, we may not all agree 100% on every solution, but you can know that if I'm elected your rep, your representative, District 5, that you're going to have a leader that's going to listen to everybody and work with everybody to solve every problem. You're not going to have a Twitter feed from your congressman like you've had the past four years. You're going to have a more productive one and a solutions-oriented one. So uh, that's kind of the, the basic message and ho- hope, for, hope for our community that this campaign provides. Awesome. How, how can anybody, so if anybody's interested in helping, how, how can they help, right? And they don't have to just live in the district to help. Is that, is that, is that I correct? mean, that, that's right, Philip. And that, that's one thing that's been so, so exciting over the last nine months is this campaign that we've built has really uh, gotten a lot of people energized, not just in the 5th District, but across North and East Texas, frankly. And so there's a lot of ways that folks can help. First of all, we'd really appreciate it if you visit our website, gearingfortexas.com. That's gearing like gearing up is what I always say. <laughs> I've grown up telling people that. That's how my last name is spelled. Gearing for Texas. There's a get involved button on that homepage that you can go sign up for our email list. You can sign up to volunteer. We also have an internship program that we're going to be getting going later this year as we get closer into campaign season and the primary next spring. Uh, And then also we're on all the social media channels. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are the main ones. I know that there are additional ones for the kids that you're probably looking at me like, where are you on TikTok, right? You know, but, but we're working on that. But we're at least up on those major... We got to get you doing some dances on the <laughs> Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have to clear all that with Rachel, as you know. So, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so the, our social media channels, follow us on there. Get involved with this hopeful message that we are really trying to bring to, to North and East Texas. Uh, join this fight with us to solve these problems for our neighbors, not for some political agenda, but to fix things for people struggling in our community. Okay, that, that's what I'd ask. Awesome, appreciate you. And full disclosure, everybody, just so you know, we are contributors and we also are um, um, uh, involved in the campaign. Oh. But, but, but like I said, it's, it, it, it's, it's more on the, the friendship and the guy. Like you could have been, you could have been Republican, you could have been Green Party, you could have been Communist Party. I don't know, not Communist Party, but you know, yeah. you could have been, you could have been whatever. <laughs> no. And, uh, and uh, and I would have helped you because you know we we need more like good people that are problem solving oriented in 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 political offices. And I think I really believe that fixes the problem. Like if we can get people that are uh, whatever their stripes are problem solvers, we can get back to making America or let me not say get back to making America great. Cause, uh, it wasn't great for everybody. We can make America truly great. You know. Yeah. So, well, Philip, I've I've grown up always saying you're only as good as your friends. So I'm only as good as you and all the, all the folks that are supporting and working hard on this campaign and getting us off the ground. So I just so appreciate you, Philip. Thank you for having me. Same here, same here, buddy. Hey, hey.
If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.